Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here. And uh, so uh, we're wrapping up this series that we've uh, been in, Take Root. And, and through it, kind of what we've uh, been doing with the series is to look at it, like what are those things that we can do um, that is like uh, nurturing or uh, helping to sustain this community uh, that we call CASAS and, and like what do we have to offer and how can we do that? In the first week, um, we talked about like our resources, our money, how we invest that. Last week, we talked about how we get to invest like who we are and our gifts uh, in a way that brings uh, grace uh, into the church. And uh, this morning, I wanna close it out with thinking about time, time. So uh, let's, let's talk about time a little bit. And, and to think about time, I want to do a little exercise here. Um, think about someone in your life that you know really well. Maybe it's your spouse or your kids or a really close friend. And um, I'm going to ask you to think about how they relate to time. How, how do they think about time in this? And I'm going to give you a few different phrases and you see like which of these phrases could you picture this person actually saying? And they're all phrases that deal with uh, time and how they relate to time. And you just kind of get an idea of, you know, of what it would be. And, and when you hit one that's like, oh, that's it. And they're sitting next to you, you can like, no, don't add that. But um, so, so, he, so here's one. Um, ever have anyone say this uh, to you? Um, where did all the time go? Like, you know, they just like, like what happened to the time? They thought they could get more done and then they run out of time before they can get the, the thing done. Where did the time go? Or um, uh, I'm bored. I'm bored, like I've got too much time and I've got to, I've got to you know, what am I going to do now for the next hour? I'm bored. Um, or how about this one? There's never enough time. There's never enough time. They just like, and, and you've heard them say that. Or um, if you ask them what time, they're like, uh, I don't know. Like they just like, they, they have no concept of what time it is. They, it doesn't track in their mind and, you know, maybe, they, I don't know, they don't wear a watch very often. Um, so, you know, think about that for a moment. Um, who, what's, what's, how do they relate to time? You know, are they, are they someone who overestimates what they can uh, do? Are they someone um, who is like on top of it and overmanages it or someone that feels like they've always got too much time? You know, for me, if you were to ask my family, uh, clearly, clearly the one that they would say right off the bat is that first one. Where did all the time go? They'd be like, dad always thinks he can get more done with less time and he never does, right? He always overestimates everything on this. And so he's going to run late on something or then he's shocked that he couldn't, you know, uh, fix the car and do the backyard project while finishing up the last few notes on his sermon all, you know, in one afternoon and then be ready to go to the movies with the family. And it's just, but I really thought I could get all that done, right? Um, uh, I, I noticed this uh, happening here on Sunday mornings. It's just like more evidence that like this is my struggle uh, with time is because uh, a while back I was uh, standing, you know, uh, back there waiting to come out. And one of the tech crew that kind of helps and does everything, I hear him say on the intercom system, I have eyes on Glenn. Yep. Okay. Yep. He's right here. And I realized you're afraid that I wouldn't show up back there. 
And I could understand why, because sometimes like I'm off doing something, talking with someone or doing something, or I think I can, you know, and I run out of time. And so now they just, there's a thing that happens every Sunday before I come out here. And it's just like, let's make sure Glenn (laughs) is here because he might think he can get more done than he can. And then he won't be here uh, on time. Um, So let me flip this around though for a second. So, um, what would your family, your friend say is how you relate to time? Yeah. What, what's, what's the struggle you have with time? When, if I were to say, uh, when time happens to you, like, what is it for you? Like, think about that for a second. And, and the reason I bring this up is because without realizing it, we all have a way that we relate to time. And without realizing it, we often think about time as something that's happening to us, right? Um, I don't have enough time to get everything done, or I think I can get more done in the time that I have. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, When we're in that mindset of whatever it is that time happens to us, we end up missing missing this precious or amazing gift that time is. If we think about time happening to us, we will miss the gift that time uh, is and what it has for us. And, and as we think about who we are as a community, time become, how, we, how we navigate our time actually becomes really important to every single human being because it is so tied to our existence and our being and and who we are as a community. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to walk through a single verse. It's found in Psalm chapter 90. In fact, if you want to go there, you can. Um, And as we uh, go through this Psalm, I want to just unpack it a a little bit here. But first, let, let me read it. This is Psalm 90, starting in verse 12. And it says, it says this, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So let's unpack this. And, and I want to unpack it. And then there's three things that I want to point out. Just kind of three insights that come out of this that I think will, will help all of us uh, in this. Um, but to start off uh, with this, it, it would be important to notice that when the psalmist writes... Um, teach us, teach us to number our days, doesn't use the typical word that we would think of for teach. So there's a Hebrew word that carries the idea of like imparting information or content. But the psalmist instead uses um, a a different Hebrew word, yada, which uh, has a very different root to it. In fact, um, when you think about the Bible where it describes like... um, and a man uh, knows a woman and what it's talking about there, the intimacy of it, that's the same root word here. It's this idea of knowing something. It's being joined together. It, it, there's, there's an experience. It's something much deeper uh, in all of this. And that's what he's saying here. And I think the reason the psalmist does that is because there's a level of like uh, counting your days and understanding time that's at a surface level that we would all get. But that's not the point of, that the psalmist is making here. The psalmist is saying there's something, there's something deeper 
about time that we need to get in all of this. And that's what I want for all of us this morning. That, that where I want to drive this morning is that all of us will kind of walk away and be able to value and relate to time in a deeper way to get something deeper out of this because I think it'll make a difference. So he says um, this, this statement about a deeper level teaches God to count our days. Um, it's interesting. I once had a boss that literally uh, had us do this, had me do this, uh, but not just counting our days. He wanted us to count our minutes. He walked into a meeting and he handed me a time log uh, of an entire day and he had it for every day of the week. And we were going to end up, I think we did it for four to six weeks. I can't remember. I just remember it was a long time. But when he handed it, I went through this thing. And the first thing I noticed was he had every block of time was in five minute increments. He wanted us to record our work in five minute increments. I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, the scrutiny of this thing. So went through the first week and I'm writing like everything down. And you know, if you had a meeting for an hour, what do you know, like if the meeting started at nine o'clock, you could draw a line down. Um, but like if you took a bathroom break or you had a conversation, like he wanted all of this in there. And I remember I worked so hard because I'm just like, I'm going to show that like, I'm like really efficient with my time and I'm doing all this stuff. And uh, we had our first meeting and he's going over my time log and he's looking at it and he'd already had it. And he's like, wow, like you, like you don't wander the halls much. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and, and, and he knew he was kind of like uh, getting at this thing with him. He goes, are, are you walking really fast between meetings? Because I, you don't, you, there's like, and I'm like, yeah. And he goes, he goes, I'm not looking for efficiency here. And I was like, huh? Because what I had in my mind is like, if, if we're going to count the minutes down to five minute increments, it's all about efficiency, time efficiency. And, and he actually said, no, 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 no. I, I'm not looking for how efficient you are with your time. That I'm actually not worried about with you or the others I've got doing this. He said, there's something deeper in this. It's not just how you're spending your time. I want you to get a little deeper and understand why you're spending your time the way you are. And I didn't really get what he was after right away. It took a while and it took some more conversations, but it became really valuable in all of this. And I want you to think more about the, the why of your minutes, of your time uh, that you have in all of this. Um, because if we can get that, we'll get in touch with this deeper thing. Um, and part of it starts with this understanding that your time is your life. There's something really important to this. So let's look at these three things. And so the first one is this, right? So if the psalmist says, teach us to number our days, it's saying this, first off, time is one of the most precious commodities you have as a person. Um, few things are more valuable than the time that you have. Uh, think about this. What if someone... Uh, uh, that you knew came up and they handed you like, let's say, a you know, $1,440. They just put it in your hand and they said, spend it any way you want. You, you can spend it on yourself. You can spend it for something that, you're, that you want. You can spend it to bless somebody else, but, you ha but it's yours, but you have to spend it all today. How would you feel about that? You'd probably be, yeah, you'd be excited. You'd be like, oh man, I got to go, oh, why did you burden me with this today, right? You're like, no, you're like, wow, okay. It's just, you know, I'm gone, right? Um, 
time, time is this precious uh, commodity. Like if you got that, that would, you'd be excited about this. One time when my son was in high school and he was in uh, cross country, and so he was running all of the time and I would go out and run with him to help him train or whatever. And early, early one morning, we're running down the street as we're training and you know, the sun's just starting to come up. And all of a sudden Chandler slams on the brakes in front of me and he turns around and he goes, dad, I saw a dollar. And I was just like, what? And he ran over and there were all of these dollars along the side of the road. And we were like two little kids like, oh my, it looks like raining money this morning out there, you know? And he like, and we forgot all about the training and everything. Now we only got, I don't know, I bet it wasn't even $20 in $1 bills, but it, but it was just like, but um, like imagine like 1400 right? But in a way, right, there's this gift that we get. Um, uh, the, the original day that my boss like handed me that log, <clears throat> like he talked through what he wanted us to do. And then he did an interesting thing. He held up the log and he said, every day you get 1,440 minutes. That's your day. And he said, it's kind of a, a good news, bad news thing. Cause we're all like, okay, what does this mean? And he goes, the bad news is you only get 1,440 minutes a day. And he said, but the good news is you get 1,440 minutes every day, right? It's the same thing. It's there. And, and it is this gift. You don't get more minutes. You don't get less minutes. Um, and every one of you are given this gift from God right? Every day you receive a gift of 1,440 minutes of time that are yours to spend. It is one of the most precious commodities that you have. And so the psalmist says, um, teach us to number our days. Teach us to understand what we have. Um, and this is not a, um, like, so, so you get the 1,400 minutes, you better shape up and, and like use these right. It's like, teach us to appreciate it. Teach us to count it, that we can see it and understand it. Because if you don't, something gets lost in all of this. Um, so it's like taking this illustration of how many minutes you have in a day, if you, if you take this over a lifespan, right? The average lifespan right now is around 77 years, okay? Um, and that may be worrying some of you. Some of you may go, like, a, you know. Um, but it's 77 years. We calculated this this morning. That, that, that comes up with 40,471,200 minutes. That's, that's all the minutes you get in a lifetime on average, right? And some of you are going like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, it's like, there's a, there's a little bit of a twinge of anxiety that you might feel over like, you know, that's my whole life that you're talking about, right? Right there in that moment. Um, but he, here's the thing that I want you to take away from this. And we'll unpack this just a little bit more here. Um, if you don't spend your time, it still gets spent, right? Those 40 million minutes that you get over your lifetime, if you're not deliberately spending those, those still get spent in some way, right? If you don't account for them, if you don't think about that, they still get spent. And that's part of what the psalmist is getting at here. 
because it becomes really easy to waste those minutes and, and, or, or lose those minutes uh, in a way. And, and they get wasted in a couple of different ways. One, um, you can become so obsessive about trying to add more minutes, right? Because some of you are going, okay, Glenn, the average person is like 77 years but I'm, gonna, I'm, my, I'm going a little bit longer, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to stretch that. And you can become so obsessive about getting more minutes that you lose the why behind those minutes. You, you lose what's precious about those minutes. And if you can do that for a lifetime, you can do that in a day, a week, or a month. Um, you can also lose time because it gets spent by default. Um, uh, I think back when I was going through like uh, all those five minute increment uh, things and, and one of the things that my boss said to me at, at one point, he said, how much of your time is getting spent for you and not by you? And I didn't know what he meant at first. Uh, and then he actually went through and he started asking me questions about, you know, okay, why did you have this meeting? Why did you do this? And all of a sudden I realized there's a lot of things that I'm doing through my day just by default, which isn't the end of the world. But what happens when, when all of these things start happening by default, right? Uh, and what I mean by this is one, um, you just make no decision on how you spend some time. You just kind of like roll with it. But isn't this true? To make no decision is actually making a kind of decision. If you become frustrated, just throw your hands up and just, oh, I'm just not going to worry. I'm just like, whatever, you've actually made a decision in that moment, haven't you, about your time. Or another one, we let someone else make a decision for us for that time. And that was the thing he was kind of pointing out in that moment. You know, one of the things I see oftentimes is like what happens when we go through life and we find ourselves always in this, this space of we're using up our time because there's someone that we need to please. There's someone that we like, okay, that I've got to take care of what that person thinks about me or thinks about what I'm doing in some way. And all of a sudden we start spending our time, but really we're letting someone else determine how we'll spend our time. Or this one, this, I, I'd say this is when I find myself, I can get pulled into this one quickly. Um, and it's, we allow the urgent thing to decide how we'll spend our time. And then the next urgent thing, and the next urgent thing. The, the thing that is asking for our time right in the moment, right? You ever thought about this? Especially in our day and age, you can go through the day, and it's like your phone starts making noise, and all of a sudden, whatever you do, like you, you turn your attention to the phone or someone else. Like all of these things that are saying, I need attention right now. And it may not be a bad thing at all. It's just in that moment wherever or however you are going to spend your time gets diverted to that thing. And you can actually go through a day and just spend your time on the, from one urgent thing to the next urgent thing to the next urgent thing and end up not having spent your time maybe the way you really would have wanted to have spent your time. And so the psalmist is saying, take an accounting, be aware of how you're spending your minutes and your time. Because when we don't have a greater yes for how we want to spend our time, it's hard to say no to all the other voices in our lives. Isn't that true? 
So um, he ends, right, the second half of this uh, verse uh, has this thought that's really important. If you uh, look back at the passage, right, he talks about taking an accounting of your time, and then he says that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Gain a heart of wisdom. Um, here's the point, and then I want us to look at a, a couple of things of the passage. Here's the point. Spend your time on what matters most. That's what he's getting at uh, in this. Notice he doesn't say, um, and count your days so that you can gain knowledge. It's something more than just knowledge. There's something about wisdom that he's saying. You need wisdom. And when you think about wisdom, just think about, like, or excuse me, when you think about knowledge, you know, knowledge is just, it's having the facts. It's knowing something. It's a, it's a body of information. But wisdom, think of wisdom this way. And, I, and I'm not trying to give you a precise definition of wisdom here, but like a working definition of wisdom. Wisdom is simply understanding why those facts matter. What is important about those facts and what to do about it? That's wisdom, understanding why it's important. And, and it's not just wisdom, it's a heart of wisdom. So he's talking about a particular type of wisdom here. And when you think of heart, again, this is a, a human being's deepest values, deepest beliefs. What he's saying here is to have wisdom about what you value and, and what is most important in and to your life. That's why spend your time on what matters most. And the psalmist is saying this because he realizes we can accidentally end up spending our time, one of the most, one of the most precious commodities we have, on things that aren't the most important things in our life. Like, like we can get lost in that. And this matters to God. Like this made its way into scripture. And I think it's because God gave us life, right? That, that was his design. He's the one that gave us life. In fact, if you go back, like even to like Genesis 1, there's this thing where it, it's, we, we come to understand why as human beings, having a sense of purpose is important to us. Having, being able to live out of our freedom, finding things that bring joy and meaningfulness to life. We are creatures that inherently search out things that are meaningful. We, our souls need that because that's how God made us. In fact, that it was God's dream originally that that's who we would be. And so the psalmist is saying, we live in this world that will pull us away from the very way we were made. And and I know I can struggle with that. And I bet some of you can. And what I don't want, right? I don't want you and I don't want us as a community to get pulled in a lot of different directions and distractions and other things where one of the most important things that we have like gets lost a little bit. And we miss what is most important, what is most vital, what, what is filled with God's purpose in this. Right? This is wisdom to be able to understand what matters most because we're investing that precious gift of time in it. Now, I want to just, I, I want to close out our time here and just be, and be just like ultra practical with this. So up until here, it's just kind of been all theory a little bit that it's just like so. Like make sure you spend your time wisely on what matters most. Um, 
But I want us to think about it maybe in a real practical way. And so I'm going to just get really practical and just offer some things and maybe a challenge or two through this about how you can invest and spend those precious moments in ways that matter most. And I'm going to break it up into, into two categories. The first First category, if you, if you want to experience this, you've got to cultivate a heart of wisdom, right? So he says like this has to flow out of a heart of wisdom. And I wonder at times if in the crazy busyness of the modern world we live in, if, if we don't always uh, find ourselves deeply in tune um, with a heart of wisdom, I think that happens to us because think of all the busy distractions that we all go through in this. So really practical here. Um, sometimes you've heard uh, me refer to like this idea of reflective prayer. So like you think of prayer, like praying to God and there's, and there's lots of things you'd pray uh, to God, all wonderful and good. But I want you to think of reflective prayer. And what I mean by that simply is uh, praying, but also taking moments to pause and to see what God might do back, right? To pause and see if God doesn't put something on your heart, put a thought in your brain, that God is capable of doing that. And reflective prayer is to saying, okay, I'm gonna pray about something, but I'm gonna see if, if God gives me a little direction in this. And when it, comes, when it comes to cultivating that heart of wisdom, I wanna encourage you to do that. Um, and for some of you, that may mean taking some time and just... Um, finding that favorite chair that you have, right? Early in the morning or late at night and it all is quiet and you're just gonna spend some time praying, right? That works for so many people and just have a reflective time. But I also wanna say this, for some of you that are maybe a little bit like me, you, like you have a little bit of ADHD, like you can even tell I'm in the chair right now. And, just like, and it's just like, okay, I sit in a chair right there and it's just like my brain. So, if that's you, don't find an empty chair where it's totally silent and, and, and you try to listen to God's voice and 30 seconds or two and a half seconds later, you're off on something else. For me, I just, for me, sometimes going on a walk, and I don't know what it is about that, but I can become so much more reflective. Sometimes, maybe uh, for you, it's uh, standing. Maybe for you, it's going on a hike. What, whatever it is that lets you, and here's the key part, is pause from all the busyness that's going on in life. That's what's really important for reflective prayer. Get in a space where you say, I'm not going to try and figure out that problem at work. I'm not going to try and figure out that relational problem in my family. I'm not going to. This is just a time to listen. And here are some questions that you can ask God and uh, listen to. Uh, starting with, God, is there a particular direction you're pointing me in life with? Is there just something I've not seen right now? God, is there, is there a value or something that you're wanting to knit my heart to that I'm not seeing right now. And just see what God does in that moment. God, what is most important in this next season of my life? What could I miss? And I really encourage you to do this and, and maybe pull out a piece of paper or, and if, you, and if you're the type just like, Glenn, that's so old. Yeah, I, you know, I type it on my phone or an iPad. Put your phone or your iPad on airplane mode because the last thing you need in this moment is, you know, for texts and social media stuff to be coming through. But I challenge you to do that. Just seek what God is doing in this. Second part of cultivating a heart of wisdom is to get in touch with your heart. 
And this is important because sometimes it's easy for us to think, oh gosh, we shouldn't listen to our own heart. Like, you know, that feels selfish or that just, we only should listen to God in this. And here's what I want to say. God lives in your heart and God is at work in shaping your heart and directing it and forging things in it. And so there's a part of this is he's maturing you. Pay attention to what he's doing and fashioning in your heart. And there are questions that you can ask that are not selfish. They're actually getting in tune with who God has created you to be uniquely and, and what God is, is already started to stir. And so some of those things are, ask the question, um, what, what am I most passionate about? What, what draws me in emotionally that, that I naturally say this matters? Where do you find um, situations where you say this is life-giving? What relationships are life-giving? What things do you engage in that are life-giving? What do you see and you say, I, that matters. I want to advance that in this world. Because probably there's something there that matters the most to you. There's all these other voices that can distract you. So cultivate a heart that has greater and greater clarity on what matters most. Because if you don't take time to get clarity on what matters most, it, it's going to be really hard to, to make decisions about how you spend your time. And for some of you right now, be, before I go into the, the next part of this, you're probably going, Glenn, right, e even just thinking about this in my head right now, like I, I'm adding all these wonderful things, but I'm thinking about all the other things that like still have to be done. Like I still have a job I have to do and there's certain things I have to get. Like like, I, how do I, like, it'd be nice to just add all this stuff. Here's what this does, because there's a difficult part in this, but it's still really important. When we get clarity on what matters most, it helps us to make some hard decisions about good things that we need to say no to. And there's going to be some things in your life that are good things, and, and maybe it's not always but there'll be moments where you're going to say, I, I've got to say no to that right now because there's something more important, which is just the second part. If you want to really live this out, use your heart of wisdom to invest your time in what matters most. Make it practical. Actually start making decisions. Let me give you just three levels that you can think about as you think about areas of your life or levels of your life to make uh, these decisions about, I'm going to do what matters most. Um, on a personal uh, level, what are the things you need to do to stay emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy? I bet there are some things that you say, uh, you know, I, I need to do that. And I keep saying I need to do that, but I've never done that. What would it mean to actually prioritize that? Maybe there's a person or two that you just know time with that person is good for your soul. God uses that person to make you a better person, right? You have anybody in your life like that? It's just like, man, when I'm with that person, there's a better version of me that gets lived out. Are you spending time with that person? Um, next level. Uh, 
this is a relational level, which is kind of related to the personal one, but, but I want you to think about this relational level just a little bit broader here, right? So this isn't just spending time with the people that are good for you, but are there people that God has put in your life and it's just like, I know God wants me to invest in them in some way. Or maybe it is just like, the, like the, these are the people or this person, I need I need to cultivate that relationship some more, or I, I, need, I need to cultivate something there that will become really important. Or maybe, maybe it's because God, again, if, as you cultivate that heart of wisdom, maybe there's something God has shown you. For instance, what if there's someone at work or at your neighborhood or someone that you know, and God is at work drawing them closer and closer to him. Um, maybe it's someone who left church decades ago. They were hurt or something happened. They were like, I am out of here. Maybe it's someone who doesn't even know Christ um, in a personal way. They don't know, they don't yet know how Christ loves them. They don't experience his acceptance yet. And God is saying, you are uniquely gifted as the person that I have put in the pathway of their life. And I want you to be a part of helping them know me. And if you see that, all of a sudden you just go, okay, I need to give that person a little bit of attention. Maybe it's that you invite them to church or you invite them to our Christmas uh, Eve services or, or maybe it's you offer to pray for them in some way. Because something there, maybe God is saying, this is really important for you. Who and how are you going to invest your precious minutes in other people? Um, last level here, and it's, and it's simply this. I want you to think of a community level, like starting with your church here, and maybe the community beyond this. And, and how I would love for you to just think about this is, um, what are the things about your community that you love? Like when you think about the mission of this church, that you just go, oh my gosh, a church that like is truly seeking to make a place, to have a place for anyone, anyone who wants to pursue Christ or try and understand Christ. There's a, man, I love that. So here's what I would say is, your minutes, and, and I also say it with this, I understand that one of the most precious gifts you could possibly give your church is your time. And as a pastor, I want to say, gosh, I appreciate that so much. And maybe, maybe there's something that, that in particular about your church, about Casas, that you say, that I, this is so important to me. How can you spend your minutes to make us stronger, to, to help this community of people flourish in that? A couple of examples. Maybe you came here years ago, or maybe it was recently, and you received a kind of warm welcome when you showed up at this church. It just melted your heart. It gave you a way, it just softened you to be able to think about God and be vulnerable with God in ways you never imagined. And you're so grateful for the people that created a warm, inviting environment for you. It'd be a great place to spend some minutes, maybe. Maybe you could actually spend some of your minutes and be a part of that ministry and say, I want to do this for someone else. I want this part of my church to flourish. Maybe it's with kids. Here's another example. You know, one of the things that we're known for a little bit is just 
like we, we try and do so many things for kids, both in our church community here, but also at the, with the community at large in our city, in, in Moran and Oro Valley and Tucson. And maybe there's something about that. You just say, man, I just that my heart just beats fast when I think about some of the stuff that we're doing. And I'd say, so spend some of your minutes. Maybe do more than uh, just participate in gifts of love. Maybe volunteer. Maybe go be someone who's going to help wrap those presents for those kids through gift of, uh, gifts of love. Or, you know, we've got to, we're doing this thing where we're going to be uh, building bicycles for kids in our city who don't have bicycles. And, and, and so we're going to buy all the parts and then we're going to build the bicycles and we're going to give it away. Maybe you get to extend the love value of this church to kids by spending some of those beautiful minutes you have, Right? some of your 1,444 minutes in a day building bicycles or giving those bicycles away. Find the thing that, that makes your heart beat fast for the community that you're in and help that thing become stronger and better. Because as we all begin investing our precious minutes in beautiful ways, do, do you see how as we keep investing in what matters most within our church, within our relationships and within our personal lives, like you will experience life more and more as a beautiful gift. Now, before I close, because I could close right here, but, but let me say this. I, I just, I want to be clear about this. Don't walk away uh, this morning with this sermon and go like, oh my gosh, I got to figure out every single minute and now I'm all stressed out, but I'm like, I'm carrying all this weight that if I don't spend every minute just right, it's like, oh, I've wasted a minute. Okay, be at peace. D don't carry that pressure. I remember uh, uh, Jim Dethmer, that my boss, that like gave me like the log and like the first time after I'd filled it out and we came away from this thing and I was just like, okay, I got to like, now I got to find the deeper thing in all my minutes. And, you know, and I remember he's just like, listen, be at peace. This, I want you to just count your minutes because I, I, want, I want you to just experience what's actually going on in your life. And he said, there'll be moments where you're going to look back on the log and go, oh, I didn't like the way I spent my minutes there. And he goes, that's okay, because that's part of learning. That's part of life. He said, it's just carrying the awareness of it and then being a little deliberate out of it, that, that it's actually like a comforting thing. It's, it's actually a thing that you will come to just experience more goodness, effectiveness, and joy in what you're doing around here on staff. And can I just say the same thing about your life? Don't, don't put so much weight on it that it stresses you out. Just cultivate an awareness of where your minutes are going and what matters most. And then just be intentional about guiding those together. And I promise it will take you to good places. And as we all do that, it'll just, it'll just take this church to better and better places. And we're going to love where it goes. Okay? Okay. Let's all stand. And as you're standing, and I'm going to close this in prayer here, let me just say, if you're a guest here this morning visiting, um, it is such a joy to have you uh, here. And uh, I hope you are warmly welcome. And I would love to personally 
uh, just shake your hand and welcome you uh, here this morning. And so I'm going to be standing around over by this little living room area over here where you see the couch. And if you're new or maybe you've been here for a while and we've never had a chance to meet, uh, swing on by. I, I'd love to just uh, shake your hand uh, here this morning. Let's pray and uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of life, the gift of all of those minutes the gift of the heart that you have given us. And we just pray, just keep cultivating our heart, keep speaking in our spirit. Let us tune in more and more to what matters most in life, that, that, that we can invest the beauty of what you've given us in what matters most. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great morning. See you next week.